Welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of Under Construction. I'm your host, Rodney. To my right is the brother Kaiser Sose. And under us is the angry black friend, Jamal, Mr. Light Skin Darby. What's going on, Charlotte? So no, what are you guys doing, man? You know, I mean, just... Look, look, you, you look like you just got something so much to say. I, I think I think Kaz is gonna have a lot to say this week. A lot to say this this about this sports week in Charlotte, man. It's yeah. <laughs> well, look, man, I, I look usually I ask how you guys doing, but let's get into it. Let's go. Let's 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 get into it, man. So this week the Hornets were two and two with uh wins last last uh Sunday over Boston over the Boston Celtics, which is very impressive. Uh, losses against Milwaukee and Boston, which were also kind of impressive as well uh, due, due to the effort. And then a win last night against Detroit. Uh, guys, uh, Devontae Graham was the leading scorer in three of those four games. Uh, he must have heard the podcast last week when we called him out. <laughs> Absolutely. He really stepped it up. <laughs> and uh, Terry Rozier got out of his mini slump. Uh, last night. So, guys, t- tell me what you think about the Hornets week, and and, and, we'll, and we'll say Lamelo and, and Malik. But other than that, just just tell me what you think. Um, the it started off great, uh, good wins against um, uh, my I'm drawing I'm drawing Boston, Boston. Uh, against Cleveland, a team that for some reason has had our number this season, probably with the the, the uh. You know they have pretty strong backcourt play, and, and we lost a, a bad game to them uh, the previous week. So to get a, a win against a team that you should beat, and then to top it off with probably the best performance of the season against Boston. And I know the Hornets have big wins over teams like Brooklyn early in the season, but to get a win like that this late in the season, uh, the way they did was impressive. And then to come out and be super competitive with the Milwaukee Bucks. I know they lost by 10, but anyone that watched that game could see that this this might be a hot take, but the Bucks are not a matchup problem for the Hornets for some reason. Outside yeah. of Giannis, where's the matchup deficiencies? I, I don't I don't see them and as a result, the Hornets were able to play them fairly close. Unfortunately, they used all their gummy bear juice in that game because <laughs> <laughs> they just Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown uh, the next night in Boston and um, ended up losing a game that they were never really uh, close in. So now you come out against the Pistons, the a, a team the Hornets like have never lost to. It seems. I mean, they haven't lost to the Pistons in 12, 12 straight games. No. Yeah, twelve straight now. Uh, James Burgos nine zero against them. The Hornets were favored by seventy seven percent. Somebody in the Hornets group said, man, that game's a toss-up. It's like, what the hell are you talking about, dog? Like, the three of us should be able to beat the Pistons. There's no way. (laughs) And for a while, it wasn't close. But, you know, the Pistons are. The NBA is Yeah, you know, and and the NBA is a game of runs. They had a big run. The Hornets mashed it in the fourth quarter like they always do. Good win last night. We got to see. We'll talk about LaMelo and Monk later. But, you know, that was a good win. You got to be able to beat those bad teams and get back on track. The Hornets are clearly going to play in the playing game. And, uh, you know, they might get a little bit of momentum and miss 
missed that playing game, but I anticipate them playing in the playing game, and so they need all the momentum they can get because that's essentially a one game playoff. Yeah, so, uh, and those are the kind of teams you're gonna play: the Detroit, the Chicago's, uh, in those playing games. So you gotta get those wins. Uh, I'm 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 happy with two and two. Uh, for yeah. There are um there are very few things that satisfies me more than kicking Boston's ass on national TVs. Um, so that was a very welcome win for multiple reasons uh, last Sunday. I think that was the most complete game that the Hornets have played all season. Maybe maybe not the most impressive. I'd still put the Brooklyn win, the first Brooklyn win, as the most impressive. But this is by far the most complete game. And, and y'all know I'm, I'm always a fan of wins where, we, where I think we defended well. I think we actually defended very well in the first uh, uh, Boston game. And, and nobody – I know it's illegal to give Bismack Biombo any credit in Charlotte. I know it's against the law to do that around these parts, but I have to give Bismack Biombo a lot of credit for, for, for keeping their bigs off the backboard uh, that particular game, man. So I was pretty impressed with the Boston win. The Milwaukee win, um, you know, we don't like <clears throat> we don't like moral victories, man. But like Kaza said, I'm, I'm seeing less and less of a matchup problem, man. Um, yeah, I, I think the key to to competing against Milwaukee is you don't let the other guys really get off. You know what I mean? Uh, Drew Holiday did have a good game, but Chris Middleton, I think we contain we we contained him pretty well, man, which allowed us to be competitive um, in that game. Um, that was a game where, you know, the one thing that stood out is we couldn't keep the Bucks off the backboard. And, and that just, you know, the, the, the Achilles heel of this team, well, one of them is the center position. And in that particular game, Bismarck was such a liability offensively, we couldn't keep him in the game to contain someone like a Brooke Lopez getting all these offensive rebounds, man. So that was the one game, man, where, where P.J.'s size – was an issue going up against their bigs, man. So it was just something we couldn't work out. But again, we only lost by 10. So I'm pretty impressed with that. Um, the Boston loss, uh, Boston just got it together. Uh, Jalen yeah. Brown, Kobe Bryant in the first quarter. Uh, we, 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 we dug ourselves too big of a hole because I actually think we played very well. Yeah. Uh, quarters two through four. It's just that first quarter was such a big hole. We couldn't get out of the hole, man. And I think we waited too late to start defending. And the interesting part about that particular game, we would cut the lead to six, we cut the lead to three, mm-hmm. and they kept that stiff arm on us the rest of the game, man. And another issue with that game was offensive rebounding. Once again, yeah. we couldn't keep their bigs off the backboard. And James Borrego even went on to say at the end of the week, man, like everybody, like this team has to rebound by committee. Everybody has to contribute as far as keeping the other team off the offensive backboard. Uh, the Detroit game, um, it we own those guys. We're their father, 12 straight wins. But I will say this. Last night's win wasn't overly impressive. Now, it's okay to give the other team credit because Detroit is a scrappy team. Yeah. Dwayne Casey is a great coach, well, a really good coach. He's good. Everybody's going to play hard when they play for Dwayne Casey. So I got to give that team a lot of credit for playing hard the entire game. But I also thought we let our foot off the gas a little bit between the, at the end of the third and the beginning of the fourth quarter. And we're going to need a better effort against Miami tonight if we want to beat them tonight. Um, I wasn't overly impressed with the Detroit win, but at the end of the day, a win is a win. And, you know, we'll get to this shortly. 
but it was so good seeing LaMelo Ball back, man. Like, mm-hmm. you can just tell that they are so happy to have that guy back. Yeah. The chemistry is just, it jumps out at you, man. So, that overall, the good. Hey, Jamal, uh, JB had an interesting quote this week. Do you mind reading that quote, if you remember it verbatim? Or uh, what, yeah. about the centers? Yeah. Um, not verbatim because I'm, I'm I'm saying this off the top of my head, man. But he was asked about the his rotations at center. Um, in so many words, he was saying, "Hey, I try. This is something I have to figure out every game. Um, this has been going on for three years. Who knows? It may go on another three years. <laughs> not an exact quote, but." <laughs> JB yeah. don't have another three years. The Hornets <laughs> got to figure that out. JB doesn't yeah. have three more no, years. No, no. I, I slightly disagree. Mitch Kupchak doesn't have another three years. Mitch Kupchak yeah. has to figure that out. No, no yeah, no, I, I agree. I just think that we've seen a progression in the the, the Kupchak Borrego era, but Absolutely. next season is really going to be okay. We've We've built the team. The team is right. built. Everyone it's, it's can talk go, about right. Everyone can talk about oh, we need to turn again for a hydrate. No, 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 no. At some point, you got to shit or get off the pot. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. time for the Hornets to do that next season. You got to be a playoff. You got to at least be a mid-range playoff team. If the Hornets aren't that next season, then JB's going to be in the hot seat. And unfortunately, if they don't do something about consistency at the five. That might be the case. PJ will have a great game, and then he might have a pedestrian game. Biz looks like freaking Dikembe Mutombo like last night. I mean, the dude was just wiping shots off the backboard. And, like, dude, where where the hell you been? And then the next game, he he disappeared. That's that's the issue. They, They just can't have that. I got I got one thing to say about that, man. Size matters, dude, because here's the thing. Yeah. Biz back Bianco. I right. <laughs> I knew that was Giggity. <laughs> but but listen, man, you look at the game last night and Bismack Biombo, he did his thing. I take nothing away from him. But at the same time, the Detroit Pistons, they don't have a lot of size at this at the right. five. You know what I mean? And also, they don't have a lot of experience at the five, too. That, 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 that's that's a big role. Absolutely. And you look at a game like Milwaukee, you look at a player like Brooke Lopez, who who, who looked like freaking who looked like freaking Shaq against us. That was I, I can't fault PJ for that. PJ's giving up what seven inches to that dude, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And, and how many pounds? I, at some point, man, you just gotta go get a real true consistent big, or you're gonna have that inconsistency, man. So I can't place blame on PJ or Biz all the time. I just can't, dude. Gotcha, and and and, and it, it, to me, it's like a referendum on uh, Mitch. Like, hey man, it, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but he may have promised help, right? And wasn't able to deliver, and hey Mitch, we, we need to get this situation straight. Because I think it's not like Mitch hasn't been trying. We drafted two centers in the draft. We had a really, I, I thought, that still think the Hornets draft was a really good draft. I think Vernon Carey was a good pick. Nick Richards was a good pick. Of course, Lamelo Ball was a good pick. Um, it's just that we, a lot, I think a lot of fans were expecting us to do something in the existing market, either in free agency yeah. or before the trade deadline. And we weren't able to make it happen because here, here's the problem with our situation at the five is that the center market in the NBA is not very valuable. It's, it's just not a super valuable position. Centers don't make a lot of money and teams feel like they can get away with small ball. But teams know the Hornets need a center. 
So they're going to milk everything that they can out of us when it comes to making these deals. Andre Drummond is not worth that much anymore. He just isn't. But, you know, Cleveland knew, uh, hey, Hornets need a center, and they would probably give up a lot for Andre Drummond. And Kupchak, to his credit, he didn't bite on that. I felt like it would have been a panic move to, to overextend yourself to get a center, especially one who's not going to be here. So, right. I mean, this season is what it is. It's only nine games left. The Hornets are probably going to make the playoff playing game, either win or lose. And then we regroup for next season, and I think that will be a top, top priority in the offseason is showing up that five position. And, and, and let me explain that flatly for people who may not have understood that, man, because we, when you talk about trading for a center, and, and I'm speaking solely to your point, I mean, it's not smart to go out there and give up first round draft picks just to get somebody just to just to fill a position need. You know what I mean? Like you have to think you always have to think about the long term future, uh, especially with this team being as young as it is, man. So, you know, you know, uh, Mitch Kupchak, man, he has to be he has to be very, uh, very diplomatic as far as how he goes about building this team for the long term. So you got to be sensible. And I say this a lot with with Mitch Kupchak. You know, he he's to me he's famous for this quote. Sometimes the the, the best trades are the ones you don't make. Mm-hmm. So maybe that doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but it makes perfect sense when it you know in terms as far as uh, uh, trading for a center or anybody else for that matter. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And so, guys, man, last night we, we, we had a uh, very special evening. Uh, <laughs> LaMelo Ball and Malik Monk graced us with their presence, and their, their presence was needed. Uh, Malik scored 11 points on four for eight shooting. Uh, he, looked, he, looked, he looked fairly well uh, on, that, on that ankle. Uh, LaMelo Ball had 11 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, two blocks. Yep. He, he just – Man, that 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 underhand pass, man. <laughs> I, I man, look, left-handed underhand man. Look, man, that 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 kid is special, man. So, what did you feel about their their returns last night? It was uh, a pleasant surprise, and, and and I say this for for this reason, man. I, you know, they they haven't played basketball in a month, and I expected them to show rust. You know, I, I expected some careless turnovers. I, I expect. And not to you know, not to be negative. It's just that's how it goes when you take yeah. off a month from playing basketball. And I expected that. Quite honestly, I didn't see a lot of that. I didn't see any of that from Lamelo or Malik Monk, man. Um, you know, uh, Lamelo, he had you know one bad turnover, but nothing that kind of nothing that really jumped out at me, man. Um, I love the fact that Malik Monk was going to the basket when he got in the game, man. I, I love the fact that. Um, he was hitting his jump shot. He was efficient. Uh, Lamelo just looked like Lamelo. I, yeah. it, it just it it didn't look like any drop off, man. And, and like I said early in the show, like that chemistry that Miles Bridges in particular, but Lamelo has with those starters. I, I mean, it, it's it just it jumps out at you. And, and last night was just an example of that. Um, you could just tell by the players' demeanor, like they were they just love having. Lamelo makes everybody's job easier. For yeah. God's sakes, Bismack Biombo even played better with Lamelo Ball on the floor. This kid literally makes everybody better. And not to sound like a broken record, man, but we just have so much to be excited about with that young man going forward, man. Yeah, I mean, it was, 
man, I I missed watching that kid play. And he didn't I know he didn't do a lot last night, but his impact was felt. It was such a different team. You could tell everyone, man, you could tell Miles Bridges was happy to see that cat again. Yeah. And um, I mean, he just like you say, he he looked like Lamella Ball. I mean, it was like and that just goes to show how val- we talked about this right before the draft that LaMelo's pro league experience overseas would be very valuable. And I think this is it. This shows that him and Monk, you know, they're not playing basketball, but you, you got to get those mental reps in. Yeah, yeah. Before you ever play, they tell you when you're not playing, you're getting those mental reps. You're sitting in bed at night, you're getting those mental reps. And then you're watching film, and then you're doing everything except the physical. And that, and Lamelo, I, I think, and Monk probably too. You know, they're in the film room, they're in the team meetings. They know exactly. You know, they read the scouting reports. They knew exactly how to attack Detroit, and we didn't see you know any fall off. Um, thankfully, it wasn't like a grueling physical game, so we didn't get to see what kind of real basketball shape that they were in. But from a play standpoint, I thought they looked. I mean. Then did not skip a beat. I was very yeah. happy. Yeah, let me tell you, it was, tell you it was impressive. Like, that whole first quarter, he let the game come to him. He, he didn't rush to put up any shots. He he, he, he just he tried to fit in. And it, it's, 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 it's so crazy seeing a 19-year-old with an impact on the game who doesn't have to score. Right. He does everything. He does everything so well, man. And, and it's just – it's, it's it's a breath of fresh air actually watching him play because yeah. he knows how to play. Like, which is why him coming back has locked up rookie of the year. I mean, his first yeah. game back, he almost, he almost gets a triple double. And I know a lot of people who are saying, well, hey, do you, you realize how hard it is? He's out for six weeks. Yeah. I and mean, he's back and almost has a triple double. I mean, that's insane. And I know a lot of people are like, well, Anthony Edwards is scoring a lot of points now, which he, he had 29. And six, but here's the difference: Lamelo Ball can only score only score 11 points and be the difference maker in the game. If Anthony Edwards scores 11 points, the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to have win. no side of winning. Yeah, right. he, that that is his, and, and that's not a knock on Anthony Edwards. And I was one of the people that wanted us to draft Anthony Edwards because I knew we needed scoring, and that's what he, he does. does. Anthony Edwards is a scorer. That's what he does, and he's going to do it very well for his career. But Lamella Ball is something else, and I I don't think that you can you can't look. I'm I'm trying not to get ahead of myself on Lamella, but <laughs> it's I'll, hard I'll not to. And I'm like future MVP conversations. He's going to be in those convos. He's going to be up there with Luca and you know every Zion and all those guys when we're talking about who's the best player in the league, and it's. It's hard. It's hard not to see that, man. It's it's. And let me let me tell you one very understated thing about Lamelo Ball, man. Because all week James Borrego has been imploring this team, and you got to start out rebounding these teams when you play them. Lamelo Ball even helps with that. Last, yeah. mm-hmm. last night the Hornets out rebounded the Pistons fifty four to forty three. Lamelo Ball has eight of those rebounds. Tell me that doesn't make a difference, <laughs> it, man. All it, right. I got I got a buy or sell for y'all. This is hot take. What's up? My, Miles Bridges can never go back to the bench. Bye, <sighs> bye, bye, bye. And, it, and I listen. I gotta buy I, that, man. I, I really gotta. Look, it's hot. It's hot. 
It's steaming hot. I gotta buy it. Yeah, I'm on. Dude, it's like a stock right now. Like, yeah. like <laughs> I, I gotta buy the hot stock right now, man. Uh, I, I, I admittedly, I've always been a Miles Bridges fan, and I've always, you know, his, his first two seasons defending his inconsistency. Hey, man, it's so it, give the guy. It's only his third, second, third year. Give the guy a break. But the ascension he's taken ever since he ended Clint Capella's life, I was a bit worried. <laughs> Murdered that guy. I was a bit worried because I knew he was going to get a lot of press, right. a lot of media, and I yeah. was worried that he wouldn't live up to that. And boy, has he lived up, up to that? I mean, he's averaging twenty plus uh, points a game, five rebounds, three plus assists since that stretch, and it's almost like everyone forgot this is the guy that won the Rising Stars MVP just a season ago, All Star Weekend. Um, and it does bring up the question, what about Gordon Hayward? And that brings me to my second buy or sell hot take. It's kind of combined. Gordon Hayward is in the now in the same position that he was in in Boston where injuries allowed young guys to disrupt his fit with the team. Gordon Hayward wasn't bad in Boston. It's just that his injury allowed Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to make that jump. Now we've seen the same thing. His injury has now allowed Miles Bridges to make that jump. So where does that that leave him because I don't, I don't think right. he can send Miles back to the bench, especially with Lamelo back. I, honestly, I think Miles' best position is the four, and the question is, what do you do with PJ at this point? Because PJ stole words on my mouth. PJ is the four. Uh, you still need Gordon Hayward because he can take that pressure off Lamelo and could be a uh, secondary ball handler when need be. He he he's he, he's a he's a He's a creator. He, he can create his own shot off the bounce. So you start Gordon. Gordon, Gordon, LaMelo, and Miles, are, to me, are, are, are the three you have to keep at this point. Two because of upside, one because of contract purposes. But, uh, <laughs> those three you have to keep. I mean, I hate to say this. Everybody else is kind of – you can mix and match and, 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 and try to elevate – the level that, that you get back in, in the trade for these guys. I for, first and foremost, I think I think Michael Jordan would come down to practice and punch James Ray in the face if he decided to bench Gordon Haywood. <laughs> Michael Jordan cannot have another thirty million dollar man on the bench. I, I, I'm, I, I'm just if I'm him, I just lose it if that happens. But in all seriousness, I don't think Gordon Haywood loses anything because of injury uh, for for multiple reasons. Um, but like Rodney alluded to, man, Gordon Haywood helps us in so many ways. Even if Gordon Haywood is not putting the ball in the basket, even if he's not scoring a bunch of points, his presence on the floor helps the Hornets immensely. And we still need that playmaking from from Gordon Haywood. I'm look, look, it's wonderful having Lamella back. All of the what we said is true, but to have a second guy who can take the pressure off of a Miles off of a Terry, off of everybody, it's still very valuable, man. Now, I say this because Gordon kind of struggled a little bit with his shooting before he went out with injury. Um, and again, I, I still don't see that as a major issue. Now, as far as PJ is concerned, I think he may be the odd man out. But keep in mind, I think Borrego is still going to keep that based on matchup. So yeah. you may have PJ started some games. You may have him coming off the bench some games. I think that just all depends on who we're facing at the five. So with all that being said, 
I don't think it's a bad problem to have when Gordon Hayward comes back at all, man. I don't. I, I actually think the ankle injury was maybe the best thing to happen to Gordon Hayward this season. The reason being is I don't think his hand was ever 100% healthy. Right. He same. Too fast. Um, and then, you know, he started off hot. He was in the, the 50, 40, 90 club. And then we saw some decline, mainly because, you know, that hand started to get stressed out. Uh, his shot started getting flat, and we saw those numbers come down. Right. Now, you know, with the ankle injury, he's got a chance to rest that hand. Gordon Hayward's not like a super athletic guy anyway, so when he comes back, I, I don't think there'll there'll be any drop off with his his legs or anything. But that shooting hand will be completely hundred percent healed going into the playoffs. So, um, and and, oh, yeah. and, and, I'm, and one one more last thing, man. You could kind of tell that hand was affected, man, because like some of the turnovers he was committing before his injury was a little puzzling, man. And you could tell that hand was a little uncomfortable with, with mm-hmm. some of those turnovers, man. So you you got a good point, man. Even with the ankle injury, um, it, it's kind of a blessing in disguise for him and Miles. And I'm gonna tell you why it's a blessing in disguise for Miles because it allowed Miles to develop his his offensive game. We were so dependent on Miles. It's almost like it forced him to kind of add some stuff to his game that we didn't see before the injury. He's taking the ball to the basket more. He's developed like a little fadeaway. So, you know, the injury is a blessing in disguise in that facet. And then, and then a quick update on Gordon Hayward. Uh, yesterday he's at the game without the boot, so it looks like he's progressing. So I expect him back within the next two weeks. I hope so. All right, guys, we're going to go to the uh, Panthers draft. Some loved it. Some hated it. Uh, I'm I'm, 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 I'm going to just read off off who we drafted. Uh, Number one, first round, J.C. Horn, DB, South Carolina. Two, Terrence Marshall, Marshall Jr., wide receiver, LSU. Three, Brady Christensen, left tackle, BYU. Uh, Three, Tommy Trimble, tight end. Uh, Notre Dame, uh, fourth round, uh, Chuba Hubbard, fifth round, uh, Davion Nixon, fifth round again, Keith Taylor, Washington, uh, sixth round, uh, Deontay Brown, Alabama, sixth round again, She Smith, South Carolina, sixth round again, Fletcher Thomas, uh, Alabama, and uh, seventh round, Phil Hoskins, he was out of Kentucky, I think. So, guys. What did you guys think of the draft overall? I want to let Kaza go because he has a lot to say. About I mean, yeah, he was burning. He was burning. Before we went on the air, what you think about this draft shows how much you know or don't know about NFL football. Tell, tell me how much you know about NFL football without telling me how much you know about NFL football. You cannot look at this draft and not say it wasn't solid. I'm not going to say – that it was like, uh, like a stellar, stellar, like man, the Panthers are you know we going we win a division. But man, every pick was solid, absolutely solid. I, the problem is this: if you look at the positions of need and where the Hornets drafted, there is there are sorry the Panthers there is. Um, th- there's no way to statistically value the impact of the players we drafted. Cornerbacks and DBs are very, very – like I I saw someone said, he only had two interceptions or three interceptions last season, talking about J.C. Horn, and two of them were against the same receiver. Yeah, but look at who those interceptions were against and look how many yards he allowed 
that particular game. This guy's playing in the SEC. I know South Carolina was kind of garbage last season, but that's because they play in a really, really tough conference, and he shut down every major wideout that he – I mean every one. That is – you don't you – sorry, you just cannot pass up a guy who has that ability. He's got NFL size, 6'1", 205 pounds. Um, also, if you look at one of the major issues the Carolina Panthers had last season was look at the other receivers in our division, Mike Evans, Julio Jones. Big guys. We had Dante Jackson out there guarding Mike Evans. That's you lose that. Not, not ideal. Yeah, you'll lose that all the time. Now we finally have uh, an elite DB or college elite DB who can match up with these big wide receivers. Uh, I I just think that that was the the best pick the Panthers could have made. Although me personally, I would have loved to see Micah Thompson because I felt like we talked about the draft night. I felt like. Watching the film, man, he looks like I'm not gonna say his name because I might start crying if you say his name. Yeah, he looked like hey, guys. Got, I got pushback, man. Look, Justin Fields was on the board, man. We didn't draft Justin Fields, man. Look, Sam Darnold is not the answer. I don't care that we gave up assets <laughs> and the coaching staff believes in him. Why didn't we draft Justin Fields? Be- because okay, so here here's the thing with with quarterbacks. They are the biggest risk reward in maybe all the professional sports. You draft the one, you're set for a long time. I mean, look at the Patriots. They drafted Tom Brady back in 1998 and I mean they I mean look, look at that. Whereas if you don't hit, Man. You, you have set your franchise back years. A long time, years. Just from making one pick, and I'm not even talking about if the if the QB is like trash. I'm talking about like Mitchell Trubisky. Since we're talking about Justin Fields, Mitchell Trubisky is a decent NFL quarterback, but I mean, essentially the Bears are now four years behind because they drafted Mitchell Trubisky because they didn't hit on on that pick. I don't think Tepper and Rule are in the business of doing that. They feel like. We can win. The Panthers can win and be competitive by building up our defense and shoring up offensive weapons. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't believe in Sam Darnold like they believe in Sam Darnold, actually. But having said that, I don't think that Justin Fields, he, I don't even think his upside is good enough to take the risk on. You take the risk on somebody like Cam Newton. Cam Newton was considered a big risk, but I mean, yeah, right. Justin Fields is not Cam. And a lot of people are like, he could be the next Patrick Mahomes. You know how many, how often a player like Patrick Mahomes comes to the NFL? Like not often. Once a generation. Yeah, man. like really, yeah, I, I I just don't think the risk was worth it. I now do think Chicago got a you know great quarterback in Justin Fields, but we're uh, good. Let me let me let me say something. I'm gonna let Kaza finish about what he thought about the draft, but I have one word. And it is commitment. The Panthers have made a commitment to Sam Darnold, whether we like it or not. Now, if you break on that commitment, it looks like you are you are moving on a treadmill. And I was I was very afraid that the Panthers may pull the trigger, not just on Justin Fields, but in any quarterback that was left at that point. And that that leads the question. And I think it's a, a very valid criticism and a very valid question. 
do the Panthers know what the hell they're doing when they, as far as what they want out of a quarterback? We have seen we. It, it's like it's like it's like a game of uh, it's it's just like a big game, man. It's like okay, you let go of your franchise quarterback. You you signed Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, now you released Teddy Bridgewater. You gave up assets for Sam Darnold. So how would that look last night if we now draft a quarterback after giving up draft picks to get Sam Darnold? I, I want everybody to kind of imagine how that would look if that would happen. So I think at some point the organization has to be like, all right, this is our commitment from now. We can't we can't start biting on everything that's available unless it's an Aaron Rodgers hint hint wink wink. But you, you get what I'm saying. At, at the point of last night, man, I, I just think it, it's a very 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 bad look if you take that risk. Like Kaiser said, if you take that risk of drafting somebody if, 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 and you just don't know that. Like, look, if there's a quarterback there and. It's just a no-brainer that this guy is going to be the franchise changer. You go right ahead and you do it. But I just don't see that in a, a, a Justin Fields, a Matt Jones, or anybody who was available at that point, man. Yeah, and a lot of people tend to forget that when we look at these quarterbacks that weren't like top, top picks but end up being elite quarterbacks, it's almost by like accident. Like Russell, nobody knew Russell Wilson was going to be as good as he was. Pete Carroll was like, oh, he'll fit good in my system. And right. Wilson became this elite quarterback. Same with Tom Brady. Uh, you know, same with Aaron Rodgers, actually. So if I mean, I don't I don't think we're gonna get that out of Justin Fields. Right. Um, as far as the rest of the draft, black uh, revolt. Black revolt. <laughs> You're not uh, anymore. I thought Terrence Marshall was a a good pick. Uh yeah. Joe Brady's got a lot of familiarity with him. Um of course, and when you lose Curtis Samuel, you feel like, okay, we need to bring in that same kind of player. Curtis Samuel was very valuable to the Panthers last season. We all hated to see him go, but I think Terrence Marshall, he's going to fit right in there uh, mm -hmm. at the slot. Also, Robbie Anderson is a free agent, and should he decide to leave, well, now we got you know uh, a wide receiver uh, that can be on the other side of D.J. Moore. I thought that was a very solid pick. I know a lot of fans didn't like it because it felt like we should have went offensive lineman, which brings me to Brady Christensen. This is this is where we're going to see traditional scouting versus analytics. Brady Christensen, there were like four offensive linemen that were rated higher than Christensen in the draft. However, he had the highest PFF Great. On the board, yep. Uh, uh, of in, everybody. In, in history, in yeah. college football yeah. history. Yep. PFF has essentially said he is the best offensive tackle in the history of college football for, based on their analytics. And, and Kyle, if I may interrupt you real quick, this guy allowed two hurries his entire career. His entire career in, in, in an in a offense that just did nothing but throw the ball. I think this is a sneaky, sneaky good pick. pick. Uh, from from Tepper and his team, they said they wanted to take a more in a data analytics based approach to drafting. I think this was it. Um, you know, I think a lot of fans were upset with this pick because they felt like we could have gotten a better offensive lineman. But I think these are these sneaky picks are the ones that are going to turn the tide. Uh, as far as the rest of the draft, Hornet, or the Panthers picked up a knee, picked up a tight end. Um, which we know the tight end position has been a weakness since Greg Olson left. Um, you know, 
I'm not sure about Nixon. A lot of people like that pick. I don't know a lot about the guy, but it's always good to play. Dancing Bear, athletic. Look, I'll say one thing about Nixon, man. Everybody was shocked he fell that far. Like, from, from, from what all the analysts were saying, like, it was crazy how we got him in the fourth round. So, I'm, 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 I'm actually interested in, in Tommy Trimble. Uh, we need tight end help, but he wasn't the traditional, like, pass catching tight end. Like he would, he is a, he's a fit. Look, I'm a Clemson guy. I saw him three times. He is a physical blocker, and maybe they have him just to kind of help with the with, with the offensive line. Hopefully, he can develop into that pass catcher because he is he, he is a pretty good athlete as well. Mm-hmm. Also, real quick, uh, last thing, I like the uh, Deontay Brown pick. Yeah, Six, four three fifty. That dude is huge, man. I, I, dude, I don't think I've ever seen anybody that big, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's gonna be interesting. I'd love to see him develop in the, into a solid player. Yeah, and then and I'm I'm I'm, I'm interested in Chuba Hubbard. I, I'm not. I was not a fan, but obviously they see something valuable in him to to kind of spell CMC. I, I'm shocked that they even picked up a running back in this draft. Same. Honestly, I, I think they should have kept Mike Davis another year just to kind of. I think the, the true power pick was because, or Hubbard was because Hubbard is actually known as a very good uh, receiver okay. out of the backfield. So it's easier to spell CMC if you have someone who has a similar skill set with Mike Davis. Although Mike Davis wasn't bad catching passes out of the backfield, that really wasn't his game. And yeah. um, I, I think the Panthers wanted to go with someone who's who had a more complete skill set. Yeah. i tell you what, man. This is my summary on this draft. So as this draft was going along, and, and you know, we're, we're sitting there at eight, and we had the live draft coverage, you know, on. We're sitting there at eight, and we're, we're very disappointed that Sewell was off the board at that point, man. But, you know, then, <clears throat> then we ended up getting J.C. Horn, man. J.C. Horn kind of summarizes this whole draft, and here's what I mean by that. I have to give – Major, major props to Scott Fitterer. And, and here's why. This draft was a perfect balance of not reaching for your need, but also getting the best talent that was available on the board. Scott Fitterer was making draft day trades like I do on Madden. And, and I was here for all of it because it, it feels like it, it feels like the brass of the Panthers got everybody they wanted out of the draft. You get what I'm saying? It, it, it feels that way. It feels like it was very, very calculated in the way they approached these late rounds. We have always been very critical of Marty Herney for what he's done in the late rounds. Yeah. I don't remember, and, you, and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but I just don't remember a time in the Herney, in the Herney era where he kind of uh, maneuvered and made these trades to get the guys they wanted in the later rounds. Because you 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 look at you look at uh, uh, the, the Bravian kid, um, you look at the the, the the Deontay Brown, you look at the Christensen, all these guys, well, with the exception of Christensen, I'm sorry, but these guys were all projected to go higher. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And to get the guys where we had at those at that spot, I mean, look, man, I think Fitterer is off to a hell of a start so far. Now, that's not to say we're going to know how these guys perform when they get on the field. I'm speaking in terms of these players' resumes. 
all of these players' resumes outside of the long snapper we drafted. I don't understand why we did that, but that's another story. But the Thomas Fletchers, the Phil Hoskins, the Christensen, Kaiser already alluded to these guys' resumes being very impressive. J.C. Horn, like, if you look at those resumes, <laughs> based off that, to get these guys where we got them at, that stuff of genius, man. I, I say it's it's almost a he. I think Federer knocked it out the park, honestly. Dude. So I'm going to read some J.C. Horn numbers for you. Against Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle went one for one, 12 yards. Jerry Judy went one for one for seven yards. Justin Ross went two for four, 14 yards. These are NFL guys, by the way. Kyle Pitts went one for three for 20 yards. Seth Williams went for one for nine, 44 yards with two picks. And Elijah Moore went seven for 10 over two games for 47 yards. This guy is facing NFL competition and getting, the, and, and getting the best of these guys. Oh, the quarterback from Alabama was chosen from the, from the first round. First round quarterback, first round talent. Come on, man. And and I, I want to talk about this Tommy Trimble kid more. Like this dude, this dude is getting George Kittle comparisons, y'all. Now the the the, the I don't want to say the knock on him, but the area of, in of improvement for him is the pass catching. And if and and if if that if he gets that man. He could be a really dangerous player for the for the Panthers, man. I mean, this dude, he's a tight end, man. But I mean, he he his blocking is like a plus already. And people forget that we got uh, Dan Arnold in the offseason, man. So we could see some two tight end sets. We haven't seen that since like the shocky uh, Greg Olson era, which could be exciting, man. So I'm I'm really excited about Tommy Trimble as well, man. So guys, guys, I have a question. So this year made kind of scouting a little tougher with COVID. How important do you think Matt Rule and his staff being down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl being more important in our, in our drafting process? Yeah, this is um, one of the benefits of of taking a guy from college and bringing him to the NFL. You know, Matt Rule knows his way around the college game. He built two successful college programs that were really bad um, before he got there. So he's going to go down to mobile and he's gonna he's gonna use what he knows about the college game to make more informed picks. I don't I don't think he got that from from Herney. Although Herney was really good in the first round, but uh, I really think that Matt Rule's uh, knowledge of the college game helped him out this draft. And um, I mean, really, the only knock on Matt Rule has been, you know, the 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 struggles that every coach makes going to the NFL, managing the game, managing egos, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Matt Rule's going to figure that out as he gets in the game. But I think his team, the team building mentality that he has is one of the reasons that he got hired. And I think we're starting to see the benefits of that. This is really the first year Matt Rule has really been able to build. Okay. This is the team that I want. And right. that's what we saw in this draft. I, and 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 I think that is a, a huge advantage for somebody like any like for any college coach coming up to the NFL ranks, man. Um, I, I think being there was obviously a huge advantage, man. You're a little you're a little closer to to the to the game, so to speak. Um, Mar um, you know, Marty Herney and Ron Rivera didn't have that luxury. You know what I mean? And, and now we do. 
And I think it may make a, uh, a huge difference, man. And I think the, the, the specific difference that it makes is you get to see who's a better fit for what you're trying to do. I think right, right. Matt Rule and, and David Tepper and, and, and Scott Fitterer, hopefully they're on the same page as far as what they want out of the system that they plan to run. I think that is very, very important to note here. And that's and this is why I think also this is such a great draft because they got guys who I think are going to fit their culture and, and, and are going to fit exactly what they're trying to do, man. So I think it made all the difference in the world, honestly. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, guys, man, uh, finally, man, uh, David Tepper agreed to switch the uh, turf at uh, – <laughs> Back with American Stadium to uh artificial grass instead of natural grass. Grass. Ooh. And uh why? The the reason why is because we have a soccer team now. I know. And they have uh, to do this to, to preserve the field. So what, what do you guys think about it, man? At first, when I first heard the news, I was disappointed. One of the I'm not gonna call it a selling point, but one of the Part of the allure of Bank of America slash Erickson <laughs> Stadium, for those of you who can go all the way back that far, was that it was a grass field. And Jerry Richardson had always said football should be played in the elements on grass. And, um, and, and, and Jerry also said that y'all don't need to practice facility. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, 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 Injuries tend to happen more. Uh, It's, you know, a lot of players don't like it. However, uh, Tepper is a businessman. And like I said, we now have a football team. And he wants, he also wants Bank of America Stadium to be used for more events. And one of the complaints, that's actually been a complaint from other entities that use Bank of America Stadium is that the grass is kind of terrible. Yeah. Terrible for soccer, it, it, mainly because it's hard to maintain, especially. And, and, and listen, and, and let's keep it a buck, man. Um, it's been terrible for football a lot of times too. Man. Yeah, yeah. How many how many times we've seen receivers slipping on routes? And yeah. I don't remember the play. It was a playoff game or a nationally televised game a few years ago. Arizona. It was Arizona Cardinal. Yeah, that was yeah. So you know the grass hasn't been great because it's just hard to maintain uh, in this area, and I think. He says, "Okay, we can save a lot of money. We can get a lot of more. We can get a lot more people to now want to use this venue." I understand the move. As a football fan, I'm not crazy about it. It's also going to be interesting because turf is fast. Players are yeah. faster. How is this going to affect the Carolina Panthers? Also, the other three teams in our division play on turf. So, yeah, I think I, I can see why they made the move. Uh, I'm gonna miss the mud, the you know, the muddy days. Uh, but um, I guys, I'm gonna make you feel better. In 15 years, we don't have to worry about the outside elements. Hot take. Fifteen shoot. I don't even see that long, bro. You got to drive all the way to Rock Hill to see a game. Man, is that no, dope. Don't go there. <laughs> I hope Vince ain't watching this, man. But anywho, um, <laughs> but man, I heard the news, and I immediately, I just, man, I, I wish I had more hands. Four thumbs down. I, I hate, I hate it. I, I, I also get it. 
I understand, man. I think, you know, more more teams who have newly built uh, stadiums uh, are playing on turf. You know, I, I understand that. But my main concern is the injury concerns, man. And, and I don't want these – I don't want our speedy receivers uh, cutting on – making the wrong cut one day and, oh, snap, the ACL's broken. And it, it, Anyway, I'm about to go off on a tangent. I don't want to go off one, man. <laughs> but – but I, I think I'm so used to and probably being spoiled by us playing on grass, man. I'm more of a traditionalist. I just I just think football, period, the real football, the American football should be played on grass. I understand uh, David Tepper's, you know, I, I understand he, 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 he has to kind of cater to uh, the soccer team as well. And, and maybe soccer is more so suited for artificial turf. But I'm more of a real football guy. More of a traditionalist, man, and I, I'm just going to crack it, you know what I'm saying? More, more, more of that and less Sweet Caroline, I guess, man. So, All right, guys, we're going to get into our shout-outs. Who, who wants to go first? You guys want me to go first? Uh, let me give a shout-out real quick to Herb Gotti. Oh, hey, can, I, can I say two words before you go on? Yeah, Herb Gotti, please shut up. Yeah, shut the hell. Please shut up. up. I don't know why rappers, you know, as much as y'all know how much I love hip hop, but rappers say the dumbest things. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Whoever your favorite rapper is, he has said something absolutely stupid uh, in his life. Now, for those who don't know, Irv Gotti came out and said that DMX had some bad lace crack and overdosed on it. And um, that's why he died. And the hip hop community has come out kind of like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? First of all, nobody knows the details of DMX's death. The toxicology reports haven't come back. And the family hasn't even said if they're going to release those toxicology reports. And, I, and, and in my opinion, it doesn't matter. The details are not important. We lost an icon in hip hop and media entertainment. Does it, does it matter? Nope. Whether he died of a crack overdose, I know that we all want to know that. But when someone like that dies, do the details really matter? What was the point in Irv Gotti coming out and, and saying that? Which is essentially, we know that DMX had drug demons and other demons that he dealt with throughout his entire life. Let that man rest in peace without us constantly harping uh, on those demons in his death. Let's remember DMX for for what he brought to hip hop uh, and, you know, what he brought for the entertainment community. Just shame on Irv Gotti for that. It's just that nobody even checking for Irv Gotti, but this is how cats get back. Right. This is how you get your relevance back now because there's no such thing as negative publicity. And um, And, and it is also important to note, man, that dude backpedal faster than Deion Sanders when he was confronted about what he said, too, man, because I'm not this is not an exact quote, but he said something to the effect of, you know, yeah, I said it, but I I think people didn't want to hear that from me. You're you're exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yes. He he probably did. I know he didn't mean it with any malice and he he probably didn't even mean it like he said it. But he spoke out of turn, man. He spoke out of turn. What? That's not that that wasn't his place to it to do that and to denigrate uh, DMX's memory by with conjecture because we don't, you know, nobody we don't know. Um, yeah, so so shame on him. Murder Inc. can go back to being irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I'm sure they're still making money. Uh, uh, real quick, I was watching Belly. Belly's been on cable a few times. Belly is a guilty pleasure because it's an absolutely terrible movie. Hip hop. Uh, it, listen, it's not a guilty pleasure. It's a cult classic. Damn it! Yeah, I watch it every time it comes on, but it is one of the worst movies <laughs> possibly ever made. Ever, but the soundtrack was so dope. And on the soundtrack, there's a song with Nas, Method Man, DMX, and Ja Rule. What? What are you? Ja, now, granted, this was 20 years ago, but it's like Ja Rule. <laughs> you got three. At that hey, point, DMX was already, a, you know, Ja Rule. What the hell? We're not going to act like Ja Rule wasn't hot 20 years ago. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. I'm going to act like Ja Rule. He wasn't hot enough to be on a track with Nas, <laughs> Method Man, and DMX in 1999. No, 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 no. no. It, it, it was before we knew he was whack, Kaiser. Let's be clear, man. It okay. was probably before that time, man. So, <laughs> and I had a comment from Matt at Belly. Hey, I understand what Belly... Belly represents uh, the post-millennial... Belly is trash. No, I mean... Trash. I mean, Hype Williams did an outstanding job with the, with the cinematography. I felt, yeah, and I actually felt like the plot wasn't bad at all. I mean, it was. I, I actually like the story. But hey, the hey, actual, let me say, let me say this, man. I am the biggest Nas fan in the world. But if you have Nas as your leading actor, your movie. You is not okay. I want y'all. Okay, I want y'all to do this. Go watch Belly. Grab your favorite liquor. You do a shot every time T Boss says, I mean, <laughs> I guarantee you'll be dead. You'll be dead before <laughs> the end of the first scene. You'll be dead. Hey, man, let's just, hey, DMX. Hey, man let, let's just go back to Africa, man. Anywho, um, <laughs> but don't show it when you go back to Africa. Don't show, show New York, but you went to Africa. <laughs> they couldn't afford to go to Africa <laughs> to film, but you could you could have filmed in Arizona, get some black people, make it look like the San Diego something. Hey, hey, that that wasn't in the budget, bro. Let's not act like that budget was <laughs> crazy, yo. But yeah, <laughs> we wouldn't have shot us. We wouldn't have state property, right? Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, don't go watch Belly Two. By the way, there was a Belly Two with the game. It had game and old girl from Coming to America in it. Just. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. My my shout out, I got two shout outs. My first one is to a 21-year-old that is from Charlotte. His name is Mavi, if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, he's a 21-year-old rapper who just released an EP. Now, I did want to shout him out because this EP is dealing with some very, very dark black issues as far as like black trauma and mental health and all that all that stuff we don't talk about. And it's a very uh, it, to me, it's kind of a throwback EP, man, because it has like a, a, a jazzy hip hop sound to it, which is refreshing for somebody like me, man. Um, there's an article out there if you Google it, man. But I, I do want everybody to check this uh, artist out, man. Again, his name is Mavi, M-A-V-I. I may not be pronouncing that right, man, but I heard a little bit of the project. Um, I do dig it, man. So I do want everybody to shout that out. My my second shout out, I'm actually going to sound like Kaiser on my second shout out. Shout out to Lewis Hamilton, man. That dude is black excellence. That dude is is the most undersung athlete ever, man. Shout out to Lewis Ham Hamilton. He did it again. So shout out to Lewis Hamilton, man. And that's um and all and as always, 
a continued shout out to the people in the chat room. Please like, share, subscribe. We will say that every time. But again, shout out to everyone who was with us on draft night. Shout out to everyone who was with us today. Uh, we are trying to make this thing grow, man. Um, so continue shouts out to y'all, man. I love seeing seeing y'all in the chat. I, I love watching the, the chat fill up as we're talking. I get like, you know, at the beginning of the show, when there's no one in the chat, I'm kind of like, man, where's, there, where's everybody at? It just don't feel, right. it doesn't feel the same. Don't feel the same. So when and, we're all back in the studio, yeah, when we're all back in the studio, we're going to make sure we keep that element of. Yeah, no doubt. Got you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Mrs. Tepper. Uh, she took the uh, four uh, top three round picks out to the Hornets game. Uh, they got customized jerseys, man. That that was that was a class act. She didn't have to do that. The family didn't have to do that. Uh, a sad shout out, man. It's been two years since the UNC Charlotte shooting. Uh, yeah. Just, just kind of shout out and prayers up to the family. No doubt. And uh, shout out to me, man. Uh, oh God, what we got? I know something. Uh, don't right, put right. that ugly green. That ugly green. Please don't. On under construction. We got to put this on right quick, man. Uh, oh, Next week, man. Shout out to the Philadelphia Eagles, man. I am, I'm enrolled in their diversity program. Man, congratulations, uh, though. Straight yeah. up, man. Real, oh, real talk. Real talk. I, I get to meet some of their people, uh, and possibly get get some employment, man. But uh, shout out to them, man, and, and just shout out to everybody just for the continued support. Hey, guys, I have a real, really, really quick subculture topic I want to talk about because there's something that is aggravating me. And I want your opinion on this. So you know how you look on your timeline and everybody named Mama is taking a picture in front of that damn Steak 48 sign? So here's my question. What is the best steakhouse in Charlotte? I still say Del Frisco's. What y'all got? Mm, I, could, I could say Del Frisco's. Um, um, I forgot the name of the place. Give me a second. Give me a second. Is it Beef and Bottle that you're thinking about right now? Beef and Bottle. Beef and bottle, best steak. Man, I bought this up, man, because there's like this silly, ridiculous argument. Somebody took a damn picture in front of that steak 48 sign and said it was the best steakhouse in Charlotte. And some OG Charlotte was like, yo, slow your roll. Just because it's new, it don't make it the best. I actually I actually mentioned beef and bottle, man. But Del Frisco's to me is steak and shake. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> hey, steak and shake got some good burgers. Right, right. Hey, okay. Hey, hey, but look, look, look. When, we, when you when you on the rocks, they got you. They got you. Hey they man, you, you eat for seven dollars, bro. Yeah, come on, no, 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 five dollars. Come on in. Steak and shake better than In and Out. Steak and shake better than In and Out. That's a hot take, bro. That, no, that's not. That's, that's not. That's the truth. Y'all, y'all hating on In and Out, man. I, I, live, like I live in Vegas. And it was like every last time people were like let's go to In and Out, and I'm like, why? <laughs> what for? Why? Yeah. Hey man, I, I went to In and Out in Beverly Hills, man. So maybe it's a difference. Between uh, okay, it could be. No, no, no. <laughs> Any, anyway, man, I just want to throw that out there, man. I know we about to all uh, get out of here, man. So I just wanted your opinions on that, y'all. All right, man. Peace out to everybody, man. Thank you guys for watching. Hey go, uh, hey, go Hornets tonight, man. Big game against the Heat tonight, man. We got to take this one. They're, they're, they're in the seventh seed. I think we can overtake them with a win. Yeah. And, and we already got the season series, but we, this is be a little an extra chokehold on this one. No yep. doubt, man. All right. Peace out. Have a good week. Take care. Peace out.